0: And these are probably going into mostly IRAs into the Delaware vault. There are some big stackers out there that are collecting 1000 ounce bars. Oh, hello there, my friends. Roth here from the Endgame Investor, wishing Chris and everyone at Arcadia Economics a happy release from YouTube prison. (laughs) I'm sure you said something very horrible that deserved all the censorship you got. We can only hope to emulate their example they must have said something really bad about silver but anyway it's good to be back in today's silver report we're going to cover silver being at a historic pivot point going back all the way to 2008 right now and when is the next intermediate bottom in precious metals well we don't know exactly but we do know that open interest in gold is at two year lows and it's probably not going to go much lower than this which means we're probably very near a bottom as lows in open interest, the amount of futures contracts open and unsettled, tends to conform or tends to coincide with intermediate bottoms in gold. And silver follows, of course. Comex silver is at 2018 levels, and there are fewer SLV ounces for the ETF in New York. They've moved to London, whereas a lot of the eligible gold is still heading into the Delaware Depository that stores silver mostly for... Individual retirement accounts, IRAs, we'll go into that. And annual money supply growth rates are lower now than they were in 1929 when they were at just above zero, which led to the crash of 29. But anyway, on to this week's Silver Report. Today's Silver Report is brought to you by Fortuna Silver Mines, symbol FSM. Latest news is that the Seguilla Project is on track for commissioning in the second quarter. David Whittle, chief operating officer, West Africa commented, construction activities are nearing completion despite worldwide supply chain challenges. We are pleased to report commissioning remains on schedule for quarter two, 2023. scheduled for the first gold pour in mid-2023, and this will start to affect the company's top and bottom lines very soon. And with any luck, by that time, with all the investments complete, the gold price will be much higher and Fortuna will be able to benefit and." leverage as they say in business parlance disclosure i own some shares of fsm and of course do your own due diligence i said we were around a historic pivot point going back to 2008 in silver today we had a coil thought it might break up it broke down instead and we are back at that pivot point it doesn't mean that if we break below it Silver is doomed. That's not going to happen because silver, of course, is money and money is in great need right now because everything is inflated. But anyway, you see here that this pivot point goes back all the way to the highs of 2008, just around 2150. Let's call it that. And the breakthrough of this level back in 2010 led to the top at $50 in 2011. And this was resistance during the bear market in 2013, 2014. Resistance again, when the bull market restarted at the end of 2015, Uh, resistance here. And we broke through it again during the run up to August, 2020, post uh, the COVID insanity. And again, it was support back here in 2021, 2022. And then we broke through it, but now we broke back above it and we're testing it once again. So we have seven points here. You can count eight, nine, but it's it's a big number here. And yeah, we might break below it, but you know, we might not. Here's why I think we won't. At least we won't significantly. This is the next slide. Gold. This is open interest. The amount of contracts open in the Gold GC COMEX contract. And we are down to just about two-year lows. The two-year lows, I think, are about 423,000, 422,000, something like that. And this is yesterday's numbers, which is recorded on a day delay by Gold Charts or Us. I think we were at 423,000 now. So we were just at two-year lows in open interest. And lows in open interest tend to correspond to lows in the gold price, not every single time, but it is a good bet that we're not going to go much below 420000 in open interest. And once the open interest heads back up, that means that interest in the gold futures contract, which the spot price is basically locked in at, is going to head back higher, which is why I don't think silver has enough time to break through the 2150 pivot point with any decisiveness. And I think we're going to bounce from here. Could i be wrong yeah i could but i'm not wrong about the end game we know that's coming and now some interesting things at the comex silver pile first of all uh we have eligible supplies meaning supplies that are not for sale they are draining out except at one vault and we'll go into that in a second the total Comex stock stockpile is now at 288 million ounces down from 400 around silver squeeze we're now at 112 million ounces Drain out of the vaults since Silver Squeeze. But there's something more interesting about this chart. You see here we're at the 2018 level, uh, about October 2018, let's call it. What was going on back then in October 2018? Uh, look at this. We have, this is the SLV vaults uh, where the uh, silver for SLV is supposedly stored. I was able to go back in the Wayback Machine and they had a capture for november 22nd 2018 just around that time where you see here the red line is the end of 2018 um and how many vault how many silver ounces were in the comex vaults here for uh slv at that time so we have here the new york the jpm new york vault the bottom row here uh in the 2018 list and we have here 126.5 million ounces about and now February 15th, 2023, see here, the number is for the J.P. Morgan New York vault. The rest is London stuff, It so it's not counted in the COMEX, obviously. The number is 103,176,000 ounces. So that's a difference of about 23, 24 million ounces, something like that. Uh, and when, who picked up those ounces? We don't know exactly, but this is a coincidental number. We have the... Delaware vault, which I mentioned in the last silver report, it's still stacking more and more silver. And we'll get into yesterday's movement. The only vault to gain silver yesterday was actually the Delaware vault. And it gained it from other vaults, which translated, transmitted, or transferred, actually, it's eligible silver, not for sale on futures, to the Delaware vault, the international, sorry, individual retirement account specialty vault. So 25 million more ounces in the Delaware vault corresponds to about 23 million less ounces in SLV. So silver is flowing on net, maybe not directly, from SLV to IRA accounts. This is a very good sign. You see here this final red line just at the end here. I can't really zoom in on these charts because gold charts or else doesn't let me, but it's about, let's say 37, 36.5 million, and now we're at 40.5 million. So just from the last month, this is about a month, right? Just in the last month, we have gained about 37 or or 9, 4, about 4. 3.5 million ounces of eligible ounces. These are not for sale, and these are probably going into mostly IRAs into the Delaware vault. There are some big stackers out there that are collecting 1,000 ounce bars. This is today's, February 15th actually, uh, latest data for the silver movements in the vaults of the COMEX. A drainage of 1.677 million ounces, 1.678 million ounces in the eligible, uh, and uh, it was a drain. It was a, a drain of almost two million ounces. But if you scroll up here, well, look at this. This is the received. This is the received. Uh, column so silver that was received by vaults and silver that was withdrawn, so withdrawn from Brinks, withdrawn from CNT, withdrawn from JP Morgan, withdrawn from MT MTB Manfred Tordell and Brooks. But who added that was the Delaware depository about 300,000 ounces. So the IRA stocking stacking continues. What about the JPM vault? The JP Morgan vault stores mostly silver for SLV. Right and some other stuff. It's it's 103 million ounces, and this is a total of 135. Uh, So most of it, 60, 70% of it is SLV. And the eligible silver for uh, for, um, uh, JPM, for JP Morgan, from that point in late 2018 is down about 13 million ounces. So silver is flowing out of SLV into IRAs and other things. Now... There's been some tracking on Twitter, and I've been pretty impressed with it, with The Money Supply. This is a central Austrian School of Economics point, and this is page 92 of the book America's Great Depression by the great Austrian economist Murray Rothbard. And he was able to go through – I don't know how he did it, and he wrote this book in the 1970s, but he went through like, I don't know, some Fed library or something. This is when you had to do real research with your hands and pick up books and uh, maybe microfilms or whatever – And he was able to track the money supply from June 1921 to June 1929. That was the roaring 20s. That was the boom. And why was it a boom? Because the money supply was expanding at at, at unprecedented rates for the time. Right? This is when they just started the, the experiment of inflation. The Fed was founded in 1913. This was their first real experiment trying to you know, drug the crap out of the U.S. economy of the monetary system. So here, from June 1929 – 1921, sorry – and in June – in 1920, 1921, that year, there was a huge depression post-World War One deflationary time. And the, the deflation on that period was the most extreme ever, even more extreme than the Great Depression that we know of that is more famous. So anyway – Following that depression, we started with 4.1% growth rates. Uh, These are six month growth rates, actually. These are not annualized, but you can look at the numbers and do the annualized yourself, annualizing yourself. But they're pretty good close approximation. We went up 10% in the next six months, and then 5%, 6%, 11.6%. These numbers were humongous at the time. Nothing like this had ever happened, and it created the whirling 20s, right? And then down here, uh june 9 june 30th 1929 the rate from december 20 december 31st 1928 was 0.7 percent we went from 73 billion of a total money supply to about 73.26 billion so basically zero june 30th the crash occurred about uh four months later so there was a bit of a buffer zone the question is how long is that buffer zone going to be now it's probably going to be longer because the case now of monetary inflation is so much more extreme. So we have some leftover money that we needs to burn out. Now here is the M2 annualized growth rate going back to 1960. This is the longest uh, chart that the FRED has for the the Federal Reserve going back to 1960 and these monthly figures. And you see here, the line really has never gone below zero. This is the zero line, this black horizontal line. And we're going below it now. So on an annualized basis, the money supply is shrinking. And this is absolutely going to lead to a crash at some point. Now you could ask the question, yeah, why didn't it happen in the early 1990s, and mid 1990s, even though it went to zero? Well, my answer to that is the internet because that globalized trade made goods and services a lot cheaper. And uh, the, the global economy was able to pick up off of that technology, even though we were in a deflationary time period. But you can see during other periods when money supply growth rates plummeted you can see here in 1970 it happened and there was a recession you can see here in 1975 it happened and there was a recession and you can see it in other places too it's going to lead to a recession which is going to lead to the next pivot which is going to cause an explosion in the precious metals we all know this is going to happen the only question is when exactly is it going to happen and do we have the wherewithal and the patience to withstand these little annoying moves in our favorite metals yeah i do i hope you do too because i have a feeling when this breaks It's going to break overnight. It's not going to give anyone a chance to scale in. So the thing is, you want to scale in during the down periods. The times when everyone's frustrated is when you want to add, not when everyone's excited. If you enjoyed this silver report, then consider signing up for a two-week free trial of the Endgame Investor or joining my Patreon at patreon.com slash endgameinvestor where you will get a once-weekly biblical commentary on monetary and economic policy topics. Or you can follow me on YouTube at Farber. I put memes in all my videos. I'll see you guys next week, assuming Chris and Yara can stay out of YouTube prison.